Evening, one and all. It is nine o'clock this time of the this this time. It's the nine o'clock this side of the pond, and that only means one thing. After a weekend, it's UK Cowboys time, and we're going to review the Bengals game. But as you can see, unfortunately for you, lovely lot, there's no Brian tonight, who is sunning himself and getting some culture on vast parts of Europe. So I'm going to take the take the lead tonight. But fortunately. For you all, we've got um, three guys who know what they're talking about. We've got Graham and Paul, and we've also got our good friend from DallasCowboys.com, Rob Phillips. How are you all doing? Woo! No, doing not too good, bad. Guys. Doing good. Thanks for being. Thanks for having me on, Graham, Paul. Good to see you guys, Jamie. Uh, holding it down for Brian, huh? Yeah, he's, uh, he's loving it up and <laughs> drinking all the vino rosso in Italy right now. So yes, yeah, so Ooh. I'm a little bit jealous. So. <laughs> we're all stuck here talking shop Man. yeah Tell but me we have, we've, we've got a lot of good things to talk about that's for sure yeah <laughs> absolutely definitely and, and although it's not monday we'll, we'll actually class it as victory monday after the cowboys get a extremely close victory on sunday night that's what we're what we all take away guys from, from the game but what stood out most for you um for me i think the biggest improvement it was like our offensive line had showed that continuity and the stats speak for itself. Like I think um like I think it was like what one pressure from on Tyler Smith and there was no penalties and that was probably the biggest thing that really stood out for everyone. There was no offensive holding, no false starts, none of that. So that in a way is a win in itself. Well you reckon Jay? Yeah. I just remember um, in our private chat after the game, I, straight off the bat, I said, the Cowboys have got a top five defence. Now, that, that might have been a little bit excitable at the time, but as time goes on, I, I, I don't think that's a that's an outrageous thing to say. I think that that, that was a defensive win for yeah. me on, on Sunday. Um, the the, the, the offence put us in the position to win, but... That performance by the defense in the second half to hold Burrow and the wide, their wide receiver core to as little chances as they got. I mean, um, Jamar Chase in particular, um, a quiet, quiet night for Jamar Chase. Um, it was quite an incredible performance by the defense. Mm. How about yourself, Rob? Yeah, just. Um... To kind of echo what Graham said, really, Paul, too, I mean, it was a complete win. Like, if you're going to win a game without Dak Prescott or multiple games, depending on how much time he's out, it's going to be at least this week, too. You got to have everybody pitch in. And offensive line with, with a lot of young guys, inexperienced, did a nice job. Um, they, they did what I think everybody wanted them to do, and that's establish the running game. And yep, pretty absolutely. much pretty much stick with it throughout you know i think they had 27 total carries and pollard's big catch you know 40 yeah. plus yards you could call that a run too potentially they they really got that going and then defensively like graham said i mean you know it's early in the season but we saw signs of this going back to oxnard and and preseason that this is a defense that is pretty nasty it's pretty deep and it starts with micah parsons but they've got a lot of guys who can play on this group and and it's a unit that you can play to offensively. At least that's what it looks like so far, you yeah. know, and that's, that's why it was nice to see that the game plan that they had for Cooper rush, because 
don't necessarily have to do anything extra because even against a team like Cincinnati with the quality of players they have, you know, if you don't turn it over and, and you get just enough points, they might be able to, you know, to take it home for you. And that's what they did. And Michael was incredible as usual. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm I'm glad that you mentioned Tony Pollard's a uh, I was like 44, 45 yard run catch, whatever you want to call it. I don't know if you guys ever noticed this, but did you see the block for Taya Bayadish on Eli Apple to make that play? Like, yeah. outstanding. Like that. Like, and I'm saying this right. That is probably without a doubt Tyler Bayadish's best game in the Cowboys. I've seen. Hands down. I thought he was, like, some of the blocks he made was absolutely fantastic, especially going down the middle, helping Zeke open up the A-gap and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I, I've got a big, massive love for offensive line and defensive line, so that's my praise for pretty much for tonight. You know? <laughs> but but uh, in terms of Micah Parsons, it, it seems whenever he's on that defensive line front, like going down to the line of scrimmage, he just brings... It just brings that that big threat, but I think I mentioned this last week with uh, with Mike on the pregame show. I said I think one of the keys to win was using speed, like use speed against that Bengals offensive line, and we saw that with the Steelers game for the Bengals, where they were struggling with like a TJ Watt who had the most speed factor. Just get Micah Parsons lined up again against them, get Dorrance Armstrong and even get like Sam Williams up there as well. And they can just cause so much damage just by their speed alone. And we saw the end result of that. Yeah, I said on our show um, on Talking Cowboys just how there's really nowhere for Joe Burrow to go. I think you, you saw the speed of that front seven just swarming around him. And Micah has that incredible speed, that incredible first step. But I was talking to Mickey Spagnola on the way out of the game, out of the stadium, and I, his combination of speed and power is what's so impressive. It is you know, you know, on one sack, he's shoving Lyle Collins out of the way, and then with the second effort, gets back and makes the sack. And then on the other one against Jonah Williams, it's just pure speed, like you said, around the edge. Like yeah. he really does, he really has it all, and it's really fun to see how he's he's kind of refined his technique, and he's got more tools in his toolbox as a pass rusher than he did last year. Um, it's just really, you know, I'm writing about it today on the website. Just, I watched, every, I watched back every snap, just number one, because it's just fun to watch him play and, and, and watch where he's lined up and what he's going to do next. Um, but yeah, he's been the catalyst for this thing so far, no doubt. In terms of like some, sorry guys, I'm just taking over for a reason, but see, in terms of Micah Parsons, I'm this is more of a concern going forward and later on to the season. Do we have any concerns that we're maybe utilizing Micah Parsons too much to be all over the place, and and it's kind of putting like the the rest of the defensive line to kind of like they need to kind of match up that end. Like it's like I'm saying, like if Parsons is not on that defensive line front, it's like who's the next person to be in the pass rush essentially? Because it seems to be when Parsons is down there that then if Parsons is take like been blocked that opens the doors for everybody else. We saw LVE get in there with a the sack and stuff like that. I'm just kind of concerned it's like of our defensive line, especially on the edge. It's like do we have the guys to kind of really amplify up to step up to that same level without Parsons being there? That's just that's my main concern. Like we I don't know what about what all you guys think. I mean to that point, Paul, I mean 
they talk about a Bill Belichick defence and the Belichick defence will always take away your biggest strength. Um, by moving Parsons around, you're not necessarily going to... You're, you're going to have to account for Parsons wherever he is on the field. I mean, there was a couple of times he lined up on um, Demarcus Lawrence's shoulder. So you're thinking to yourself, how, how are we going to deal with that? How are we going to, to consider... Lawrence and Parsons off the one edge. That's that's really, really difficult when you consider you've got somebody like Fowler or Williams or whoever it was lining up on the opposite side. So if they can move Parsons around like a chess piece and be unsure themselves of where they're going to put him next, how is the offense meant to know? That's, because that's a fair when, point. When you can yeah. move all over the place, you're, you're, that, that causes issues for the offensive line. I mean, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm not complaining. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is yeah. amazing. I'm just concerned. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm more concerned we might burn him out. At, like, like the battery has ran out on Parsons, if that makes sense. That's what I'm concerned about. We might be giving him too much to do, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, he, he, he doesn't want to come off the field, that's for sure. That's what yeah. he told us after week one because he played every snap. And then I think he, he played 59 out of 70 snaps. And he did – you know, he was limping at one point in the second half and was That's able right, to yeah. finish the game. And so, gosh, you know, you hold your breath there, but he's, you know, he's okay. But, yeah, I mean, it's a fair question because you don't you don't want to burn him out. Um, but I do think he has shown he can, to Graham's point, like he can, he can do anything you ask him to do. He can line up anywhere. And Dan Quinn was asked again about that yesterday. Like, aren't you tempted after watching what he did, you know, to, to just – keep him at edge rusher and, and Dan kind of reiterated like you know in so many words it, part of his gift is he's he can line up where he's not supposed to be and or where you think he's supposed to be and and based on matchups he can be anywhere he could be off the ball but certainly when he gets to passing downs and third down he's going to factor in somewhere whether it's off that edge or if he's blitzing up the middle and he didn't do a whole lot of that on Sunday but but obviously they can put him in that role too. I think one of the perfect examples of that as well, Rob, was I thought it was in the third quarter and he was lined up on the outside, but he was he was literally stood and Lyle Collins just completely didn't know he was there and it's not for Burrow to pick the links. I think Burrow would have been in turf again, wouldn't he? For God knows how many times. I think only six times he was sat this weekend. <laughs> that, that yeah, was how does really, that happen? How, how do you? How does he go unblocked? I just I couldn't. They both locked down inside. Lyle too was like, well, yeah, the, the, that was really bad execution on the the Bengals O line. Like, if you're especially if you're on a tackle, you always want to make sure that the outside of you is actually contained. Like, even if you've got two guys on the edge, you want to still even try and tell your your guard besides just like, listen, I might have a problem here. Like we may need to rethink about what our blocking scheme is here in terms of that. But no, they just completely left Parsons unattended. It's bizarre. <laughs> so bizarre. But not the best uh, one. No, no. Um Jamie, do you want to go through the news and updates? Yeah, exactly. I don't think there's too much quickly switch on to right. it. Okay, I'll run the video. Yeah, I think the, the only couple of it's the, the weirdest thing is we, the, the way it might normally get seen news is from the guy that's literally sat 
in the room with us right now, so it's a bit weird to just, but yeah. So I think the other couple of bits that we picked, I think we picked up was I think um, Jack Prescott's had having his stitches out at some point this week. I think Mike McCarthy confirmed that after the game, didn't he? Um, Stephen Johnson was caught as well, saying that Gallant could potentially play this week. He's been looking to get a full week of Alvin, so that's something to look forward to. And Jason Peters as well could potentially be contention this week, which is. It's only good for the online jam. I mean, it played to a good level this week, and getting someone of Peters' stature in, in there is only going to be stronger. Sorry, Jimmy, you keep cutting out a little bit yeah. there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's this Yorkshire. It's this Yorkshire, isn't it? Isn't it? But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> which, bit yeah. Was, which bit you got me caught out there, Paul? Um, but again, just, just a bit about Peters that he's. Um, they're expected to practice in pads this week as well. So it could yep. be in line to play this weekend potentially. Yeah, for, for the likes of Jason Pierce, I'm very interested to see what we actually do with the O line because like Farniak's came in, he's done a good job. He's likely going to be the sacrificial lamb that gets dropped pretty much. Uh, the, the, there's two scenarios here like it depends, like Terrence Steele had a good game. Do we want to move Peters to the right side or do we want to move Peters to the left side and push Tyler Smith back into guard? So those these seems to be the two scenarios what we're doing here. Um, but it seems to be the only the two people that we're thinking about who's going to be getting dropped is either Farnyark or Terrence Steele. But I think more likely case it's going to be Farnyark. Um, I don't know what you guys think regards to that. I mean, Rob, what's your take on... Um, Tyler Smith moving around at such an early age. I mean, he ha- he had a, a pretty good game on Sunday. Do do you think the team would move him back to guard and go with the original kind of mm. thoughts on him, or do they want to just let him flourish at left tackle? That's a great question, Graham. I was wondering that, thinking about that this week too, because and and they're not going to tell us. They're going we're going to find out when it's game time. But I, I to me, it's it it would make more sense. Once Peters is ready to go, if you're trying to get your best five, I think Peters at left tackle makes the most sense just because it's what he's done his whole career. He's 40. I don't know if you want to move him inside to a – I don't think he's ever played left guard. Now you, maybe you could play him on the right side, but obviously Zach Martin's your right guard. I don't think that – I'm with Paul. I don't think you'd move Terrence Steele either. Um, I, I think maybe Tyler Smith at guard makes the most sense. If you If you – if you want to play them together. And I think that would give them the best. I mean, we talk about the running game and trying to get that going. I think having Jason Peters and, and Terrence or Tyler Smith on the same side, providing that punch up front, I think would be a big boon there. Um, big boon for the offense. But it, it, it is interesting. You know, would you, would you, do you just want, because it's Tyler Smith's future position, do you want to keep bouncing him back and forth or just kind of keep him where he's at? So it's a, it's a good problem to have him. Don't forget Connor McGovern is going to get healthy too in a couple of weeks. That, 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 yeah, yeah. They, they even get to mention Connor McGovern there because he is due to come What is? Do you know what the timeline for McGovern's to come back? Well, within inside of a month, they think, because I, now on IR, um, he's making progress. You know, I'm hearing he's, you know, he's doing better. I think he's moving a little bit better. Um, from that high ankle sprain, I don't know if it would be this week. You know, I think that's that's kind of a two to four week injury. But high ankle sprains are tricky. Sometimes you come back from them faster. That's one thing Stephen Jones referenced, and he's had this before. So mm-hmm. maybe within a couple of weeks we see him back, and then that's a good problem to have. And if he's 
If you want to move Jason Peters in the lineup, well, Connor McGovern's shown he can be a great lead blocker for you too. And, yeah, and, but, and yeah. help you as a backup guard and center, which they need as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we had so many questions in the preseason where it's like there was a there was the continuity issues, but we didn't we, when it came to the Bucks game in week one. But Govan looked really, really good, and those eight drives that were only eight, eight uh, snaps we saw him before he picked up that injury, and and fair play to Farnyard coming in as well. He's done a really solid job as well, uh, filling that position. Um, but and just also for the likes of the offensive line as well, like zero penalties as well. It's like. Do you want to kind of disrupt the ongoing progression of the continuity of how this O-line is right now with Smith on left tackle and Farnyard there as well? Like, Because obviously Farnyard's likely going to start against the Giants this week, is that correct? Like he's still going to be the, the guard going forward till like Peters is pretty much ready essentially. So I think that kind of at least if, if Farnyard's putting on these better performances, it's just going to get, give like a... Joe Philbin and Kelly Moore an absolute headache to decide what to do. Do they want to disrupt the balance of what that relationship's been going right now? Or do they want to just put in Jason Pierce just because he's got so much experience and stuff like that, but there's that small risk of like they could be able to bring them down that communication level back down again. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would go with Peters just because I I just I've watched him for years. I just think he would add so much, and I think Abs- would, absolutely. And I think he would help Tyler Smith to play next to him. I think that would be good for his his development at the same time. But I mean, you guys bring up a good point though. It's like if he's if he is your left tackle of the future, the future's now. And if you like the way it's going, just keep giving him these reps. And if mm-hmm. it's not hurting you anyway, but um, but if you're trying to get him on the same at the same time on the field together. Peters is a tackle. He's not a guard. You know, he's done it a little bit, but for 20 years, he's been a tackle. So that's kind of where I was leaning. And, that, and that's just a crazy statistic just on itself. But he's been in the NFL for 20 years as an offensive lineman. It's remarkable. Wild. So. Wild. And I mean, he's he will be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, oh, in the next he, 10 years, probably. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, easily. I think he, he was undrafted as well. And he's actually from Texas, I believe. Yeah. Like, Arkansas college guy, Jones connection, and a, and a Texas guy. He wants to. He, I think he wants to finish his career here, however long he wants to play. On um, on Sunday night, Rob, um, Jim Nance and Tony Romo talked a lot about Dak being on the sidelines. Can you give us more in, any insight into the kind of um, connection he had with Cooper Rush on Sunday? Was there a bit more? time in the mic before the mic cut off after the 20 seconds or whatever did he just let Rush go and do his thing as far as Dak communication yeah yeah I think for Dak it's more just probably in between series just kind of being just being a resource if he's seeing something out there and yeah I mean with the headset he's kind of listening in but it is Kellen Moore's show um, when it comes to that I think just kind of being there for him and it really was kind of the same dynamic in Minnesota Dak did the same thing that in that way um, and Dak will tell you, Coop's done the same thing for him over the years. So they have a really good relationship. Um, it's just, it's kind of funny how this whole dynamic is because Kellen Moore has played with both guys and has been in the room yeah. with both guys as a quarterback. 
Kellen Moore threw passes to Noah Brown in 2017. <laughs> and when you think about it, you know, Kellen's just – he's been a player. It's not that long ago. So, yeah. um, just to see these guys step up in these kind of un, unusual roles where Coop's got to start, Noah's the number two receiver, and Kellen's calling plays for him, it, it sure worked out in week two. Much better than it did week one, I'll say that. <laughs> I'm going to bring I'm going to bring a couple of comments and and uh, I don't know a uh, how to uh, I, in a way I kind of agree because I think sometimes that this question might bring it well I'll, I'll bring it up so the big Labasi is asking do you think it's a time to admit Kellamore can be a somewhat of a problem with the cute plays he brings in so early it seems to kind of disrupt what for me I, I can see where he's coming from it kind of disrupts the flow, like because you're establishing the run game, and the next thing there's this cute play, and it just out of nowhere, and it just doesn't materialize as much. So I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on it in terms of uh, Kellen Moore and the play calling. Yeah, I'll jump in first. I we talked about it on talking Cowboys today. Uh, it's a great question. I mean, in terms of you know that first drive against the Bucks, there was. Those were those kind of plays you're talking about, those kind of slow-developing yeah. plays against a Bucks defense that has got a lot of speed and can get to you in a hurry. So, yeah, I think he, he is super creative. He's got a great mind. I, I do think there's times where you're kind of like, well, just hand it to him, hand it to Tony Pollard. you know. And I yeah. think they did a better job of that mm -hmm. in, in week two and just kind of getting back to some simple stuff. I loved what they did in the first, whatever, what, however much of it was scripted, you know, what they always say first 15 plays, just some easy, simple stuff, getting things out, getting the ball out to CD lamb on the edge, getting him some touches early, um, getting Tony Pollard involved, getting Zeke involved and just kind of taking what's there. It was, it was really good. And, and so, and you can mix in some stuff as well. And you saw Turpin get on the field with a, with a jet sweep and, and things like yeah. that. So, so he's got he's got stuff in his bag still, but yeah, I agree. I think there's this this offense has enough good players where you don't necessarily have to do as much of that creative stuff all the time. Yeah. On on the play, I mean, for me, it was we're we're kind of touching on the offensive part of the segment, but um, I don't think it was any coincidence that Noah Brown had such a big game. When, mm. when you talk about playing with Cooper Rush, because they'll have plenty of time on the practice squad, they'll have plenty of time running with the twos. Um, there's only so much... There's, there's There was only so much they were, in my opinion anyway, that they were going to give Cooper Rush to do. And, you know, a little trick play here and there maybe just softens up a, a, the defence a little bit more for Rush. I know he, I know he went he went deep to CD Lamb a couple of times. But um, they, they talked about it in commentary that his relationship with Noah Brown certainly helped. And I mean, you can only you can just see that in the stats, you know. Um, oh yeah. How much how much he used Brown? Um, I don't know. Maybe you see maybe you see a little bit more expansion for the, the Giants game. Um, I mean, obviously, we're, we're not at practice every day, but um, you know, just when 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 you run with when you run with a certain level of of player, you know, I mean, maybe you could tell us this, Rob. I mean, how much time does does Cooper Rush have with a player like CD Lamb in a in a, a weekly practice in general? Well, he's he's taking all the first team reps now. I promise you that because they they've got to get him ready. You know, he doesn't really get any when Dak's healthy. 
And so, yeah, I mean, and, you know, after practice and working on that kind of stuff. And it's funny, you know, it's I don't know about CD, but I know some of the younger guys like Dennis Houston was telling me last week that he was kind of Coop's guy in the offseason. If Coop needed somebody to throw to, he'd, he'd call up Dennis and they'd go throw. So I think he's got experience with some of the backup guys, too. And that goes back to practice as well. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's getting all the work he can handle right now to get ready for these games just because he doesn't he doesn't get that work with the ones, you know, and he didn't get the work with the ones in preseason because all the starters basically sat in those games too. Just, so I thought, I've just brought, sorry, Jim, I just brought up the stats below and I'm just looking like, as we were just kind of mentioning So Noah Brown was 91 yards for five receptions, which is an average of 18.2 yards per catch with one touchdown. That's incredible. That's Pretty, pretty impressive. That's, that's and, incredible. Uh, hopefully we lost Rob there for a second. He's he still there, yeah, Rob? I got you. You guys got me? Yep. Oh, there we go. <laughs> we were upside down for a second. <laughs> 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 uh, but yes, um, also Cooper Rush, uh, going for 235 yards, 7.6 average per throw, one touchdown, zero interceptions, one and a half sacks. Again, that's more of just again, like it's a robust performance. It's not like high numbers, but it kept the offense going. Like we were putting points on the board. The offensive line were had that communications, like just getting the ball moving. The pass protection was fantastic. I thought. I mean, there was a start from PFF. Um, where even though sometimes PFF can you you don't want to use some of their stuff. Sometimes sometimes it can be a wee bit. Tipsy Tugger yeah. sometimes, but but in terms of like uh, Tyler, Tyler Smith, uh, uh, he was I think it was like what was the stat again? Yeah, he, out of thirty nine snaps, he only allowed one pressure. That's mm. that's pretty impressive as well for, oh, yeah. under those, and that's only in pass protection of those snaps. So fair play, absolute fair play. He's been good. He's been really good. And, and there's stuff kind of technique wise, you know, you look at, you say maybe he's, he's got to clean this up. He's got to clean that up, but mm -hmm. he's powerful. He moves well for his size. If he gets his hands on you, it's over. It's kind of like when I said, it's kind of like when Tyron Smith was a young player and he first came in the league and he's just got those heavy hands and um, he's just a super aggressive player. who has got great athletic natural ability and you see why he was a first round pick. And you see why Absolutely. if he had stayed in, in college and there, there might have been some top 10 programs interested in him transferring from Tulsa and he could have been, who knows how high he could have been drafted next year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, if there's one, other, I can't remember what play it was, but there was one play where you actually see um, Tyler Smith like helping out with the double team with Farniak and moving upfield to the second level and taking out the linebackers um, and just his positioning and his sheer aggression, just driving this linebacker four or five yards, just nearly put, putting him on his backside. I thought, ah, this is exactly what we needed, that fresh bit of blood in that O-line just to kind of give that little bit of animosity, so to speak. Because um, I think the criticism for the past couple of years, we have been quite soft in terms of the O-line. We've actually kind of, this game in particular, we showed that aggression, even from Zach Martin in the one-yard line, where he, how he opened up that gap for Tony Pollard to run it into the for the touchdown. Like he just 
dipped his shoulder in and took out DJ Reader like it was nothing. It was just, it was beautiful to watch. <laughs> it is, and it's kind of why I want to see him at guard, honestly, because I, I know he's going to be the tackle of the future, and he is now, at least until Tyron comes back. But that's that's a problem they had inside was handling some of those bull rushes inside with, with, with some powerful defensive linemen. Think about Chris Jones with the Chiefs last year. Think about facing Philly here in a few weeks with Jordan Davis. I'd love to see that matchup inside if he were to move inside and maybe Jason Peters plays left tackle. So, but he's got, he's got agility too. You know, there was a play, I think it was in the fourth quarter. Tony Pollard got, got loose for a 17 yard gain. And it was, it was Tyler and, and Farniak pulling to the outside across the formation and uh, talented young guy. I'm just, I'm going to bring this comment up because it, it kind of relates to yourself, Rob, as uh, our very on Mike Poland East, and he told me not to put, I don't know why he commented, because I was going to put it up anyway. It's, he, not to remind you that he owes you $10 for last year's failed bet, so he owes you 10 bucks. I don't even remember what the bet was. Can you remind <laughs> me? I, I appreciate it. I, I don't One of the offensive linemen to score a touchdown, wasn't it? I think he had a... I think that was the bet. It was something to do with an O-line and scoring a touchdown or something like a that. Touchdown. I like, hey, I got to buy diapers. So if he wants to give me 10 bucks, I got you know, all the money I can get. <laughs> uh, just, just send us your PayPal, just send us the PayPal details. We'll make sure we'll get that over to Mike and he'll, and he'll square you up, man. Thank you, Thank you Paul. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but yes, um, it's, it's, I don't know what it, like, I did kind of feel as though there was a wee stumbling block in the second half, though. And this is more, I would say this is more credit towards the Bengals, the, uh, the Bengals just in general from the defensive side and offensive side. They, they changed it up. They kind of I, stopped us. We didn't even score any points in the third quarter. And the only points we did score in that second half was the winning field goal from, money Brett Maher so um so in fair and fair play like the Bengals kept the game alive they it's they changed things up they readjusted they addressed the issues on both sides of the ball and I mean even from the defensive side of the ball they kept us uh kept our defense on for like was it eight minutes on the drive or something like that to really run the clock down which was a really smart tactic when you really think about it. Like just run down, just wear wear our defense out, and the next time they go back in, they'll be obviously still tired from the previous goal. Um, but yeah, um, do you not feel like though that probably halftime came at the wrong time for the Cowboys? They had the crowd on side, mm. um, everything seemed to be be flowing nicely, and then all of a sudden. Half time come, the Bengals could get the breath, could kind of readjust thing and get get a couple of bits sorted here, there, and everywhere, and it just kind of fell a little bit. Felt like it felt by the wayside a little bit. The Cowboys just lost that mojo that they had in the in the, in the second quarter, and that there were a few throws from Cooper Rush that just just seemed a little bit rushed and a little bit kind of not thought of well. And you say it kind of spiraled in a little bit, and then. Crowd got back into it and and kind of just like I say spread the defense on then and, and managed to get get a stop and, and keep keep it going and then I mean, we managed to get it downfield just enough 
from my heart. I think that kick, to be fair, would have probably gone another five, ten yards. When it, it looked like it had a, a good length on it. Um, so I just, I don't know what you guys think if it just kind of come along at, at the wrong time. Yeah, and I, guys, I got to jump off here in a minute, but but um, yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's like you, you got the lead, and it's kind of a tough place to be because you're up. And you want to keep hammering the ball, but you but you want to stay aggressive at the same time, and it, it, you know because your defense is playing really well, so you don't want to you don't want to go into a shell, but you also don't want to you know take too many risks. And you mm-hmm. know there were a couple three and outs, and and yeah, Cincinnati got the got things rolling again offensively, and part of it was, you know, Joe was under so much pressure. I think they felt like they had to get the running game going a little bit to take some pressure off of him and get some balance going. And yeah, that drive was, was huge. And I was a little surprised post game. I, I kind of forgot about it. It was a nine minute drive and I'm looking at the final stats and I'm like, this is, they lost time of possession in this game. Cause that, you know, that was one of their goals. And I mean, when you, when you have the ball for nine minutes, that's what happens. But um, clutch, clutch at the end. I mean, a great big stop at the end, Trayvon Diggs, two big tackles. And then, oh. I mean, just really mm. all three phases, you know, the, the, the punt return by Turpin, the punt by Anger, by Anger. Uh, and then obviously what the offense did late, you know. I think that play alone kind of answers a lot of questions about Diggs' ability other than being a ball hawk. Like, that answers his questions about him being a, a good tracker in terms of, like, in coverage. He, he he was ready for that, and he swept in that like it was no tomorrow. And T Higgins, is it T Higgins? You yeah. stopped. Yeah. So just had no chance at all. So that was a beautiful play from Diggs. I have to admit. But to, so, Rob, do you say you had to go and leave off there? Yeah. Yeah, I gotta run. I gotta go finish up a column here. But uh, I really appreciate the time, guys. And I'm anytime yeah. you call me on, just hit me up. Yep, we'll, we'll do, man. But, uh, but, uh, but, guys, be sure to go and check out Talking Cowboys. Be sure to go and follow Rob on uh, Twitter and that. And, uh, yeah, thanks again, Rob, and thanks for swinging by, and we'll definitely get you back one again, man. Okay, cheers. Thanks, guys. Rob. Thanks, Rob. Take care, man. Thanks, Rob. Bye. The one and only Rob Phillips, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so, Jamie, do you want to start talking about the defense then? Yeah, take it away, man. Right. Um, <laughs> I won't. I won't even bother with the transition because it's been it's been a nice wee flow of conversation we've had tonight so far. So I don't want to put the transition and just kind of like cut it, you know. So we didn't go with the offensive drop anyway. Nah, we didn't. So <laughs> yeah. So uh, so where do we start? Do, who do we, who do we want to talk about first? Do we talk about Parsons? Do we talk about Diggs? Do we want to talk about? how Donovan Wilson had a really outstanding game. Well, we'll talk about Wilson, but he did cause a a couple of dodgy penalties. Before you you jump into the names, can we just throw one more in there? Um, Yeah. I'm going to throw in Dorrance Armstrong as well. Yeah, Dorrance Armstrong came out strong. Um, Like, the defensive tackles did their job. Like, is not the most stellar performance. They didn't make any tackles, but in terms of when you look at the video and the tape, like Hill, Gallimore, uh, Bohana had a great game. Like when you look at the stats, it, it's not much, but when you see what Bohana did in terms of getting into his gap and it really made Joe Mixon completely back out 
of committing to that gap and he had to go elsewhere. And that's what made the plays for likes of your LVEs and Donovan Wilsons to make those tackles coming outside of the edge. So the well, defense... We just quickly run through the stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's bring mind, it up. Sorry. Bearing yeah, so. bear in mind, this is the AFC Super Bowl contender we're, we're talking about. Um, so you've got Leighton Van Der Esch, four tackles, three assists, a sack, and a tackle for loss. Micah Parsons, four tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss. Dorans Armstrong, two tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss. How good is that? I mean, from, from from Dorrance Arm, this is the guy that doesn't play all that much, and he's still put an awful lot on the stat sheet. But go ahead, Paul, go and, go and bring it up. Oh, I see you've brought it up. Um, I mean, yeah, wow. I'm, I'm, yeah, wow. I'm just I'm, I'm just looking at the list here. I think there's just a wee bit of a mix up with one or two stats here, but I think we're good. Yeah. But I've got the stats here as well for according to ESPN as well. But in terms of total tackles. Like you said, Donovan Wilson had eight total. Vanders had seven total. Diggs was six. Anthony Barr was six. Anthony Barr showed up, which was great. I tell you what, though, is Malik Hooker had a really good game as well. Malik Hooker, yeah. like, like, like he was he was quite underneath the radar. I thought, um, but uh, but yeah, um, it was impressive how many times he got in the backfield as well. Like a lot of these tackles, I know some of them come across a bit. Sometimes it's always when I look at it, it looks sometimes a little bit demoralized. Like you look at say for like Leighton Van Der Esch, nine total tackles. Not a lot none of them were for loss, but if you actually look at how many times, yeah, you know I mean like rather than I think there were a couple of times when makes it look like we were gonna bust some big moves and Van Der Esch stopped him for a one or two yard gain, you know what I mean like those kind of things can just spur you on a little bit, but how many times we got into the backfield? Like I said, that's why I brought down Donald Armstrong in that mm-hmm. zone because he was in the backfield flying around somewhat rotten all night. Yeah. I mean, I w- just on, just um, off the top of my head, thinking on where, where his, where Parsons' success came from, it was Lyle Collins, really, wasn't it? I mean, the amount of times we saw Parsons line up in the wide nine, take two yeah. steps, and then engage with Collins. The amount of times he would he would engage, take a step, and then change direction completely on Collins. But he made he made Collins wow. over, he made Collins overcommit to one side yeah. of the block, which I yeah. thought was really really impressive. And this is I said this um, numerous times is like the, the the key to win was use speed. Doesn't matter if you were Parsons or. D-Law or whoever now that the key is to use your speed against this offensive line and they were unable to cope. Even in the interiors, Cordell Volson, the rookie guard, was not coping with the speed from the interiors and from the blitz. You even saw that. Um, but just I want to bring up some a couple of questions before we kind of move on. So uh, big Labarski, big shout out to you. Um I love the name, man. Love the name. He's, so he's been here a couple of times. So it's now a regular. Uh, can you all talk about the penalties real quick? Problem or the defense just trying to overcompensate for the hype? I, I would assume that's more towards the whole Donovan Wilson hit. Uh, on well, that one and also well, yeah, the, two, on, two on Burrow, on the there was two. Uh-huh. There was two um, on Joe Burrow. It both. Wilson I think. And... I, I, I think it was more. We were too hot headed. I can't. I can't remember who the other one was. Uh, if guys, if you can remember who it was, and just pop them in the comments, that would be great. 
but we can't remember it off our top of our heads. Um, I think the Wilson one was the later one. There was there was one that was particularly the, the, bad uh, one. The first one was Anthony Barr. That's right, that, Anthony Barr. That's who it was. Yeah, and might just might just became a bit of comment. It, 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 when we're talking, see, when you're talking about that eight-minute drive, Cincinnati were trying to wear us down, and it worked. Like, the, basically, the defense got tired, and that's where the touchdown came from. Really, end of the day. And that's and that, and if that was just like a, a standard quick three and out, or, or like just a fight, a couple of minutes in that drive, you'd be a completely different story. But the the Bengals managed to kind of grind that out and work that defense to the they were just unable to kind of keep up with the pace yeah that, that last touchdown i i decided i had an awful feeling as the clock was ticking out that the cowboys were going to let them in to kind of try to save some time on the clock um but thank i say thankfully it, they managed to keep them out for so long but it just it, so at times it felt like a typical cowboy performance wasn't it um but uh, it's also good to see that they can grind these results out. Um, backs against the walls. I mean, we haven't got a starting quarterback. We're still missing a starting receiver as all pro left tackles out for however long. Um, we sadly lost Cox before the game. On yeah, I have to admit, Jamie, when 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 I saw that come out, the news of a Jabril Cox, I was like, "Oh, you have got to be joking me!" Mm. Like, I was I was really hyped up to see Jabril come back, and he was just registered as inactive and i was just like oh because because if anything we really needed like jabril but a ton and turns out like that the linebackers were on point throughout the whole game like i know even just that i don't know if you guys noticed this but did you notice at some point dan quinn mixed it up by taking the, the defensive tackles completely out and replaced them with parsons and lve did you notice yeah. that yeah like, yeah, that was interesting. That, that was like, and that the reason why they did that is they wanted to add more speed towards speed, the yeah. fresh. It was it's all about speed. It really did come came down to it. What, whatever yeah. they did. Sorry, Jingo. No, um, I just also recall. Um, there you I go. The, Nas doing... the Nas NASCAR D line. There we go. <laughs> there was also a situation where I, I think Burrow had an empty backfield. He had. I think it was was it five wide receivers or four four wide receivers in the tight end, and the Cowboys were showing blitz with six players on the line, and Burrow had no idea what to do with it and called a timeout. Yeah, do you guys, do you guys remember that? There was basically like you, you actually see Joe Burrow actually getting frustrated, like off, like there was a there was a screen uh, like camera angle of joe burrow after they called the timeout and he was really frustrated yeah. so yeah you could you could tell dan quinn was on point with his scheme in terms of the play calling like but, he had he had it on point but that was the thing though i mean see when you rush six you've got man for man on the outside mm. and he had no confidence in that either like it wasn't as if he could go a quick out to chase well and, that's the thing I mean, it, was, it was press man as well 
Yeah, they, they tried that as well. I can't recall what play it was, but basically we we stacked it right up. Like there was like a six man front, and literally like the only option for him was Jamar Chase. But because of the pressure coming from the side of Lyle Collins, I think Jamar Chase was on the right hand side in terms of the offense. It it was just like too much pressure to throw the ball to Chase and to yeah. get him to the right position. So yeah, it was just well-designed defensive play from Dan Quinn and and credit to Adam Dudley as well, the defensive lineman coach as, as well. I mean, see, when you think, like, we're, obviously we've hyped so much praise on the on D-line for the, the amount of sacks and pressures they got, but let's not forget um, Jamar Chase, who is arguably a top five receiver, 54 mm-hmm. yards, nine targets and five receptions. That's, that's an incredible effort by the defence. I mean, Maybe that's why Burrow was holding on to the ball so long. I mean, obviously, you don't get the, the best view on TV. But if he's holding on to the ball, he's not got anywhere to go with it. Don't And don't forget, like, the statistic that here's the most important statistic. So I don't know if you guys recall before the game of the interview with Jabbar Chase about him and Trevon oh. Diggs. Yeah, yeah that's, now, that's, that, that's now came back to bite him in the butt. So bring up that comment from Mike. Yeah, because uh Mike just might might just might just time that perfectly. Like so uh Trevon Diggs versus Chase, one catch, only six yards. Wow. But you know you can you can add then as wow. well. I can't remember if it was made the week of the game or if it was made at the start of the season about Lyle Collins saying um, that he don't need to worry, he's not gonna be on his back. Well then that was you, you come up against someone like Mike Parsons and the and the front four front seven you could really argue about I mean they're gonna get, get oh guys I know about what is um I'm just about to come from this hold on me what is um what Lyle Collins's weaknesses are so that's one thing that you don't want to kind of put out there just to piss that little that piss that offense that's like the defense off a little bit more to, to show why the Cowboys didn't resign him Guys, I've got some breaking news. Um, so this is reported by Patrick C. Walker, um, who's uh, Dallas Cowboys reader for CBS Sports. Dennis Houston has been released. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joe it's just uh, Joe's just added the comment in there as well. So I just wanted to double check and verify that. So officially, Dennis Houston is being released by the Dallas Cowboys. Um, any what are your guys' thoughts? Does straight away I come up, that makes me think that Gallup's ready to play this week. It makes you it makes you assume that. Yeah. yeah. Like there would have to be a casualty at some point for someone or whether it's someone in the defense or someone in the offense, but um, but yeah, Gallup must be ready. So and there we go, our uh, Brian who's still living it up in Italy right now. He's saying oh. yeah. To feel a bit of a way, just for the fact, because Schultz did go off with a little bit of a niggle on it, so does it make you think? Yeah, I we, that's, that, that's something I would love to have asked Rob before yeah. he went off. Is what is the status of Dalton Schultz right now? Because obviously, at the end of the game, um, he kind of limped off a little bit, but he seemed to be he seemed to be okay. Like there's, I don't think there's been any actual reports or anything. But I just want to know if if the any more inside knowledge to like if it's just a we, we niggle you'll be good for the giants what does is it? do you have to be on the active roster to practice uh good question i'm not too sure because i think it's more i think that move might be towards jamie's point 
and that they're looking at an additional tight end because the timing of it is strange because if, if Gallup's ready, why wouldn't you leave it until Friday, Saturday to make sure that he's ready? Mm. They've got they've made the decision early. I, I wonder if they're if they're thinking about tight end. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a hard one because Ferguson and Hendershot, they did have a good, pretty good start to their preseason. That we've not really seen much of them during the regular season so far. I don't, I don't know if it would be tight end personally, but who knows? We, we like we, some knowing the Cowboys and what the what the front office has done this year, and if it, it could be anything. It could be, it could, for we know, it could be a long snapper. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Just, um, just uh, some news has jumped in my head that we haven't talked about. Um, John Ridgway is now a commander. Yes, I was just about to bring it up. Yeah, one of my, my one of my favorite guys during training camp, uh, John Ridgway, aka Big Jr. Uh, former Arkansas standout uh, is now who was released by the Dallas Cowboys is now being picked up by uh, the Washington Commanders. So um, you can't you can't keep everybody. Heard yeah, it in hard yeah. knocks often enough. You can't keep everybody, and judging by the performance of that defensive line, yeah, you know, we're okay. <laughs> we're all right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a wee, I'm a wee bit bummed out about that one because I had a wee soft spot for him. Um, because I thought he was he had a bit of a chip on his shoulder. He had that like the the type of attitude that you would ex- expect from a defensive tackle, nose tackle, pretty much. So, but yeah, um, I would normally say I would wish him the best, but because he went to Washington, I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to well, let. I'm I'm just gonna say good luck to you for being with that team. That's we'll, we'll see him again in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's if the thing. Still on the roster. Here's <laughs> the thing. Do, do you think he might actually actually get some game time against us? That's the thing to for him to learn Washington's playbook, etc. Do you think that's oh, enough time? That 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 commander's D line is a fair unit. So I I don't know. Right, on the edge it is, but the yeah, interiors I, are not that great. Because they've got what Jamar Chase and uh, what's the other guy for Fonte Sweat? Sweet, sweet, yeah. So they've got the two edge rushers, but anyway, we're we're, we're kind of a wee bit. It's excited. not too, it's been too yeah, much time yeah, for yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's true them. Um, anyway. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, no, no one, no one wants to talk about them or the, or the Shiro's or, but uh, but we will be talking about the Giants on Thursday for the pregame. So be sure to go and um, tune in on Thursday for that, folks. But also, um, in terms of Micah Parsons, the guy is just elite. The, the, it, it, like we got ourselves. A p- proper superstar in our hands. We really do. Like even from his rookie season, like the fact he's played multiple positions from linebacker, being on the edge, being dropped in into the more, that NASCAR defensive line, like playing more in the nose type of thing. We're seeing him all over the place, and he's actually been put back in deep coverage before, nearly playing like a cornerback at one point last season. But we're now starting to see that again. 
What can he not do, guys? What can he not do? I think you just look at the stats. They've been chucking about um, at this stage in his career, and you, you you don't always you don't want to kind of put him up against different people in terms of Hall of Famers, etc. Because sometimes it's a bad way to go. But I think how he's been he started his career in the NFL. He's um, but he's he's got more sacks than. Lawrence Taylor, that kept that and players of that high caliber, and it it just it, it just shows it. You get someone in the right system. In the right you, just 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 for context, Jamie, are you referring to he's had uh, more sacks than Lawrence Taylor in terms of the number of games he's played since being yeah, in so the NFL? At the, right. At the, okay. At this point in his career, yeah, he's he's got more sacks than Lawrence Taylor, and and players of that stature. So you think if, if he's on the rise like that, it's like he's what not even halfway through his year till you think what what's to come of this kid in three or four and, years and he's going to really hit his peak. And here's the thing though, like you you can argue, especially back in the days of LT, and that the you could say it was actually well maybe somewhat. I don't I don't know. It's it's hard to say that, but but the rules were different back then. We don't know if sorry, my dog just appeared and he's crying. Sorry. <laughs> um, you could say back then rules were different. You're allowed to chop block at the time, stuff like that, and you could get away with pretty much a lot more back then. And sacks were kind of like more different. I don't know. It, it's hard to say, but the matter of fact is, like Parsons was pretty much the architect throughout that whole game. Even no, though he, even though he got two sacks, but. He was responsible for every single one of those other sacks for LVE to Donovan Wilson and for Dorrance Armstrong. You're you're on to something there, Paul, because when was the last time you heard eleven flagged? Never. You know, when, when you consider when you consider the amount of protection they give quarterbacks nowadays. Exactly. Um, the, the amount of um protection they give tackles in terms of like you're saying, chop blocks and so on, hands to the face, you know, all exactly. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You never hear him. He, he's for for being so productive on defense, he's one of the cleanest defensive players I think we've ever had. Even his ta- ta- tackling technique, see, like the way he tackled, tackled uh, Joe Burrow, it was like he swarmed on him, like he actually made sure he, he collapsed onto him. It's not like a like hit to the helmet or anything like that. It's like he's not there to try and actually take someone. It's actually there to try and put them down to the ground. Yeah. And like in a really safe way, but but also in a more like bringing that physicality towards that. So Parsons is playing by the rules. He's played, but he's he's playing it at such an, an elite level right now. So I don't know what what you think, Jamie. Like, do you think we can expect to see record numbers from? Make a Parsons end of the season. I think you could do. Um, I'm probably going to go out of limit. I might get things. I think it, at, at this minute, I think he's the def- best defensive player in the NFL. It, it's not yeah. even close, and and that's no disrespect to players like TJ Watt and yeah. yeah TJ will probably won't win it this year because obviously he's trying to be missing games yeah. this year due to the is it pectoral injury? Yeah, you know I mean? like on on that kind of on that kind of level. But it's like he he's been consistent every game when the cat even when the Cowboys' defense is notoriously played bad, he's yeah. always been shiny light. 
see that see this is my this and I want to get your thoughts on this, Graham, because obviously you've got a lot of um knowledge about the defensive line and O line as much as I do as well. And that's one of your favorite things to talk about. Is yeah. I, I tend to think that when you don't put Parsons on the line of scrimmage, and this is what I was kind of saying to Rob, I kind of feel like the, the defensive line are not as effective. They still are effective. Especially, especially in the run defense, they're really effective. But in terms of the pass rush, it seems that we need Parsons always to be there now. And and kind of goes to my point. It's like if Parsons is not there to be that architect to kind of make defenses work, then who's going to be that guy to kind of like like go over? Like the guy could be Sam Williams in the future. Like he still he showed some a bit of promise because he does have the physical attributes to be a really good player. But I don't know what your thoughts are, Graham. Do you think, what do you see the defensive line without Parsons being on that line of scrimmage? Do you see it yes, as I, effect, less effective? Do you think I, we're maybe I completely to... agree. No, I, I completely agree. Like, I raised the point with Rob, like, the, a couple of times, more than often than not, they line him up next to Lawrence or they line him up on the outside of whoever's whoever the D, D end is on the other side. And that creates pressure points and they move the pressure points around so that nobody gets used to, to Parsons from a particular angle or from a particular position. Like there was a couple of times where they rushed him up the middle and it was just as effective because when he's in that linebacker position, he can find the gaps and he can plug the gaps. Either that or you've got him like in the wide nine. I mean, Loyal Collins had a long, long day yesterday. Uh, I mean, see, see when you put him out wide, he has those first two steps, engages on a shoulder, and then can switch to the other shoulder, come like and drop of a heartbeat. Like if you overcommit on Parsons, he'll take that one step and do you inside. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if if you don't respect the speed on the outside, he'll curl round. He'll curl around you so quick. I mean, I, I mean, no, um, no doubt about it. I. I felt that the loss of Collins was sore, um, but he didn't have the greatest night. <laughs> uh, I've got to be perfectly honest. He 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 got found out against Parsons, and well, uh, I I agree. Like, and I said this, and I I keep I thought that one of the key points to fit today, and this was something I was writing for an article for, um, was. Aiden Dirty and Dan Quinn need to expose Lyle Collins because he's obviously had what was it the hip surgery a couple yeah. of years back. That still that he was not the same player since that like, since after that surgery, mm-hmm. and it's clearly on show that he's having difficulty to with his mobility. Mm-hmm. Play to your strengths, use your speed to make him feel uncomfortable, get his mm-hmm. hips turning in different all ways of directions and we saw that we saw Lyle Collins actually falling up front on his face trying to catch up to Micah Parsons and likes of Darren Armstrong etc etc and uh, but yeah it's what what can we say like it was well deserved it was well played like Dan Quinn Aiden Dudley they did a great job uh, but uh, but in terms of the run defence though guys just before, you start, just, just before you jump oh. on there, only because I was having a quick gander through Twitter, not to switch it back to the office. Yeah, sure. But our, our good friend and our, our guest for tonight, Rob Phillips, has just tweeted saying, and we, and sorry because we never mentioned the name, 
what the wavering of Houston could actually potentially create um, a spot for Jalen Talbot to come back this week as well. Ah, I never even thought of it now, actually. Well, I mean, and that's why I thought I'd just be like, because he's literally just... Okay, right, that, that, makes, that makes more sense. Okay, um, so there they have it. Our guest, uh, Rob Phillips, who was here earlier, just uh, tweeted that out, so be sure to go and follow him. Um, and interesting, had, yep. interesting he had to go before that news broke. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably why. Cause Wait, the, well, that was breaking the, news. The, yeah, the, the breaking news, I need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so there we know there we know but, all users uh, memo sitting out in the cowboys there yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's like a wee red flag it's like uh dear but uh, drop yeah. everything <laughs> <laughs> but yeah guys i also just just to, uh, we'll, we'll move into the different positions as well because i know brian's desperate to talk about malik hooker but i i want to talk briefly just on the defensive line in terms of the run game the run game so we the total rushing yards, and I'm, I've got the stats right here. We managed to keep the Cincinnati Bengals down to 89 yards total. 57 of those yards was only Joe Mixon. 57 yards. When you break that down, that is that's that's fantastic. Considering problems we've had before with certain running backs, like back in the 2020 season and stuff like that. This is a great talent. And Joe Mixon is a fantastic running back. He is a, he is a fantasy football fiend when it comes to getting you points and yardage and stuff like that. Not, not today. Not today. No. So, no. so, and just, so, so, uh, just to add it up and before I'll let you speak, um, I'm sorry to say Brian there. <laughs> sorry, mate. Uh, but, but Joe Mixon had 19 carries with 57 yards, and that is three yards per carry. The defensive line did their job in terms of the run game. They, they did. In it, it, was, it was the most impressive position <clears throat> I mean on on Sunday night. They were they were just they were on it. Like I say, it was just even when the offense stood after half time, the defense still played to a high level. And yeah, I I, I said it all along and, and they got a crap load of sacks this weekend. That position group's gonna be Number one in 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 sack in sacks got this season. It, it's, it's it's getting stronger every week. I mean, I'm, not to rain on the parade, but I'm, I'm going oh, to bring a little. I'm <laughs> going to I'm going to bring a little bit of balance to the force. Um, Tony Romo made a great point in commentary that that's a brand new offensive line they're dealing with just now. Four yeah. of the fa- yeah. Yeah. four of the that's five right. starters have gone from the Super Bowl. So that's they've right, obviously so. made they've obviously made efforts to try and protect protect Joe, Joe Burrow a little bit more. But they've um, lost the they've lost the continuity of that all yeah. when you like like yeah. just when you think about it. So there's Lyle Collins, Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, and the rookie um Cordell Volson. So that was the four offensive linemen that they brought in. The only one that was from that Super Bowl was Jonah Wilson, the left tackle. So yeah. it, it it was a it's a big shift change. Like you you would expect to maybe bring one or two, but not four. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that was quite interesting. But but even still, though, like they were still moving the ball against the Steelers quite effectively, and that was my biggest concern going into this game was their run game. Like, uh, but uh, it's uh, but yeah. But it's a good time to catch. I mean, I'm not making excuses for them. 
Um, take nothing away from from the defensive line, but oh, you're getting cold. Here. <laughs> Labas just calling you out, my man. Labas just calling you out. <laughs> See, that's why we need these guys to keep us all in check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh, so without further ado, we'll move on to Brian's. We uh, he wants us to start talking about. Uh, the fact that hookers holding down the middle ages that we're not giving out we're not giving up deep plays. I mean I thought Hooker had a great game, I thought. I don't know about you guys. Do you know what just just with that comment, thinking the back of watching Red Zone. Oh how's... wait, hold on. I need this is the comment, Jamie. I need to bring this one up. So Brian's followed up this comment with this. Hooker locking down the middle like a prime Jeff Heath. There it is. There it I is. Much, I think he's had too much of that Italian lager on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, so Malik Hooker, former first round draft pick, played for the Indianapolis Colts, had a little bit of a mixed time over there with injuries and stuff like that. But since he's been to Dallas, and hello, Arnie. Um, <laughs> um, this is probably like his first proper full camp. He, he's not really had any injury concerns or anything like that, and he's been solid. He's been absolutely solid. Like, I, I just what what what, what do you guys think? Do you think Hooker's now like here's the well sorry here's the question: Do we think the safety position is now finally fixed after all these years of being neglected? Right now, I mean, it's it's certainly above average. Um, you know, when you consider for years, we draft the safety, please draft the safety, we need a safety, draft the safety. Um, they've kind of picked up guys who weren't A-list free agents, given them an opportunity, and uh, Hooker and Kers have taken it because they... They're, they're relatively young in their in their Cowboys careers. I mean, Hooker's not yeah. all that old anyway. But I mean, the, these guys these guys were on other teams two years ago. When you consider how well they've done in Dallas, uh, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic return from uh, what we've paid out in terms of salary and so on. But, I mean, these are not highly paid players. Um, you could argue that Kers and Hooker were looking for second opportunities. Um, you know, not to get too carried away, but are we going to be able to keep them? Um, well, that's always know. going to be that's always going to be the discussion, isn't it, Jamie? Oh, it always is, and it always seems to fall on us. Um, just to kind of go back to, to what he says, I probably agree with Graham, and it's 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 probably fixed for what we need now, um, but. Do you then want to be in that position in, in the position we were at the start of last season of what's happening at safety? What's happening? I don't know what maybe cornerback three, cornerback four, and you're sitting there and you think, right, do we need to go get some more guys off the streets that can hopefully get in there? So I think this, this it's a, I think it's kind of it's papering over a crack at the minute. Um, Oh, it's just weird. It, 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 in a way, it still kind of feels like that with the overall overall team mm. right now. 
Um, it, it feels like this, the whole team of the Dallas Cowboys feels like there's just massive band-aids from different parts of the positions. Like, but it's how long those band-aids are going to last now. Like Malik Cooker, like we don't have him on a longer term contract, but the way he, he's playing right now, we might have to lose out on him. Like given like, was he on like a two year deal or something like that? Well, Hooker's Hooker's contract is for next year. It's Kers. Goodness, so is Kers. So I take that back. They they both have deals through at least twenty twenty three. Um, so that's encouraging. That's encouraging. The the one thing that scares me that we we've, we've we've all said it numerous times on previous shows that this team never really seems to have a level of consistency of. I mean, in terms of on both sides of the balls. Now, if you look at, you could argue that the the Bucks um, Super Bowl winning team from the other year, some of the Patriots Super Bowl winning teams, they kind of have that balance of offense and defense, and it's, they they always have great play from one. And whereas with the Cowboys, over especially over recent years, it always seems to be if the offense is really good, the defense is below average. And if the defense is really good, the offense is below average. It's never kind of that. It's never I mean, yin and yang. It's never yeah. Well, yeah. And that's what it's, it's it's kind of I've, maybe maybe more so because Dak's gone down, and it's like the defense is going to be that one that kind of probably wins us more games than the offense does until Dak comes back. Um, but then when Dak comes back, we're we going to see the defense slide off. So it's kind of yeah, not wanting to get ahead of ourselves a little bit just because. You just, it's the Cowboys and it's always this way and we're always going to be like so hmm. after, after a quick look they're both free agents after 2023 right. so we're going to have to keep one of them but at what price that's the question well see this is the thing they the front office need to work out are they in form or have they turned a corner because there's nothing worse than you paying a player on form and then the the play drops after they they get their big deal. You know, you could go ahead and pay somebody thirty million over three years, and all of a sudden they're back to <laughs> they're back yeah. to the, the levels they were playing at before they they joined the team. But that's that's the big decision. That's but does it does it feel like oh, this secondary for sure definitely needed someone like a Tyron Matthew like for a lot of years it doesn't feel like what I mean in terms of the kind of what he brings on the field, but also his leadership as well. And that for me, the, the secondary anyway, has lacked that for a lot of years. Like I say, you could be, you could argue going back as far as maybe Woodson and them kind of players being back there, the Cowboys have never really had that kind of, that player, that leader since those days, since the 90s. And it's, yeah. Talking, of, talking of Donovan Wilson, how about that hit in the backfield? That was superb. That was yeah. from the safety position. That was fantastic. Was it Joe yeah. Mixon? Yeah, I believe so. He, he took I think down it was... for like an eight-yard tackle for loss. Mm. Oh yeah, just came out of nowhere. <laughs> but I mean, I, I want to bring up um, Labasi's comment uh, and a uh, comment like we ha- we haven't even mentioned about the guys that could actually replace like Sir Carson, like Sir Hooker, and that, and that's McQuamu and Bell. Like who knows? These guys might actually start to feature more as these as the season progresses, because these guys could be potentially be the future mm-hmm. for the team. So, 
Um, and it's like what everyone's saying, it's like you're always going to have someone to come in, replace, and out with the old and with the new, if it's cheaper or better value for deal, whatever. And that. It's, it's, it's a business end of the day. Mm-hmm. And speaking about business, and I'm going to slightly jump ship to a different position, LVE. Mm. Leighton van der Esch, right? Since under Dan Quinn, he's performed very, very, like, he's very under the radar, but he is performing like he's at the right place at the right time, making out the right blocks. We ended up getting out, getting really lucky for him to, like, we didn't give him the extension, but we did give him a new deal where it up, ended up being cheaper for, a, was it a one-year contract? One-year deal and yeah. $5 million, I think it was. Yeah, so we saved ourselves money in the cap that way. But the way how he's playing right now, we're, we're, what do we? What's going to happen with LVE when it comes to next season? You know, I've I've been I've been a massive critic of LVE, but I I, I were impressed with him at the weekend. I think we all were, Jimmy. We all were, especially in the twenty twenty season. We all were, but since under Dan Quinn, he really has found his feet. He's he's found his like. He's found that understanding of the position, mm. like getting into the right place at the right time. He's assisting the tackles. He knows when to stack up with the tackles. The yeah. assists. He's 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 there. So, and even his cover uh, cover skills right now is 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 getting better. Yeah. And and we all thought, especially with the net brace and stuff like that, the, the multiple injuries he's had, we would have thought he would have been kind of one of those players that just kind of like dust off into the wind. We wouldn't really hear again. No, he's actually getting better and better. So, um, he's he's got the right coach, certainly for the linebacker position. I mean, think of the linebackers that Seattle have produced over the years. This, um, is, this is this is my point when it comes to Dan Quinn. It's yeah. like he, he seems to turn like players that. Well, I wouldn't say players that no one really wanted, but it seems like players that you wouldn't really think they were going to be standards, but yeah, so somehow he manages to get the, the light bulbs thinking in their minds and actually makes them get the best out of them. Mm-hmm. That's Dan Quinn when it comes to his defense. Like, he's done it with not just Seattle, but he's done it with us now. So, but I, but what do you think, guys? Do you think? the Jones family might have to start rethinking about getting a new extension deal done for LVE. I I don't know about you, Jay, but I think it's a little bit early for me. Um, the, way, the way they use Van Der Esch, what you're, you're writing what you're saying, he's not flashing, he doesn't show up on the stat sheet all that much. Um, well, that's, it's, it's, that's, it's tough. That's, that's when you're wrong, because he was our second top tackler with seven with seven total tackles, four solos, one sack, <clears> one <throat> tackle for loss, and he was I think he was the top tackler against the Bucks against uh, last week. So he, he he's right up there. So I suppose that's 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 how quietly he's going about his game just now. Yeah, that, that kind of that kind of proves a well. point. Yeah, we've all commented as well tonight. And, the, and this one always seems to kind of like the Cowboys in the in the proverbial backside that it's contract year. What's he going to do if you're giving that big contract? We, we've 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 been burned on it so many times, and now if if you're talking of 
someone, I know it's a little bit, kind of bit early, but someone playing maybe at the level of, of Micah Parsons and he's in contract year and you think, right, you know what, we've had consistency out of him for years, whereas he's been more, he's been inconsistency from LVE and it's like, well, do you then go out and, because he's had so far a couple of good games and you keep banking on that happening, do you then take the, do you take the plunge and go, right, let's give him a three-year deal on a decent set of money or do you go, do you know what, let's see how he, he continues, let's, Maybe push us into the off season. If we lose him, we lose him. It's just that pull. Is it? Is it? Is he more? In, is he more important to keep, or is is? Can you get out of what? Get out of somebody else. What you're getting now, maybe in the back end of the draft of next year. Yeah, See, and... I know. I know it's early, but you're gonna have to think think about Parsons' deal soon. Parsons and Diggs. Brian just made a comment about like we yeah. need to think, you think about the, the Trevon Diggs's deal because yeah. I think he's got this year, then next year, and that's it. So we want right. so if, if, I, if, if I was Jerry and Stephen, I would try and maybe get him done early because how many times have we crossed out ourselves not doing the deal early? Like we actually ain't even overcompensating too much, or we end up losing out in the player. And then you flick it the way, you've also then got to think of CD Lamb's going to be coming up as well around about the same time as well. I'm not particularly worried about Lambs if I'm being perfectly honest. I don't know if it's just me. Um, I oh yeah, I just I just mean more so you kind of you get in that young car that's coming yeah, towards yeah. contracts. I mean, like you say, and it, you've still got all this money you're paying to Zeke. There's all this money you're paying to Dak, so you kind of you, you've got to then. Eventually, I think I'm sure we'll, we'll show Zach Martin will be coming up at some point now. Do, if he keeps playing at that level, he's going to command another big contract. Mm-hmm. It's kind of you've got to just. I think you've, yeah. I might be doing. I might be doing LV a disservice, but for for me, I mean, anybody that's watched Hard Knocks this off season uh, will know of Malcolm Rodriguez. Now Rodriguez yeah. was that undrafted free agent. Rodrigo plays, Rodrigo plays extremely well in preseason and ends up starting this, for the Lions. Is this the linebacker from Oklahoma? Yeah. yeah. So he that comes, was a guy I really, really liked us to draft, yeah. to be honest. So, undrafted free agent, has a great preseason and ends up starting for the Lions in the past two weeks. Now, do you need to pay somebody that amount of money? Or can you try and find somebody? Because, like we're saying, you've You've got Lawrence's deal. You're going to have to do Parsons soon. You're going to have to do uh, Diggs before Diggs. that. Potentially um, you know, have to replace one of two safeties as well. You can't pay everybody. I mean, we're we're, we're talking about we're we're talking about two Welcome games. It's Sorry. it's early yet, but that do you get what I mean? Like, could you find an alternative without having to pay somebody ten million dollars? Well, that's the, that's the thing with the NFL. There, uh, there always will be a, a replacement. Maybe not up to the exact same level that you hope for, but there always will be. Like, like bear in mind, like how many players go into the draft every year? Like two hundred and fifty-six players will get selected, or something yeah. like that. And there's almost going to be more players getting cut than being on the like. So, fifty fifty-three players in the team. Do you imagine all the amount of players that are all across the United States, not just well, not just the US, but internationally as well, trying 
be part of that 53-man squad, there is always going to be someone out there. Um, you got to look at it as other. Well, it's you, really down you, to your you scouting pay, network more than anything. Do you pay 10, 12 million, as Graham was saying, to one who might get you just running about there, seven, eight sacks from the linebacker position, or do you go out and get three or four players of, of, the, of the same value that might get you four apiece? Mm. What would you that you're saying? You've got to kind of find that balance, don't you? Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's definitely more the job for the front office. But <laughs> yeah. we, 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 we've kind of we've kind of dived away from the actual defense and the Bengals there. But let's kind of finish off with a really good high note. Brett Maher, Brett Money Maher, like that's he's um, he's crushed it. He's, he's the enigma. <laughs> yeah, he, he was... there was one comment made in the game as it was ticking down, and it, and, and it kind of got a thing like, I was so frustrated because they'd score, and you sit there and you're thinking, we were, we were all talking in the admin group, we we're like, we've blown it, we've blown it, and the drive kept on building up and building up, and you're thinking, do you know what? They're going to get, they could potentially get this if they just if they keep playing it right. And then Tony Romo came out with a comment of, run the ball in the middle, save the timeout. And, and they kind of did the opposite of what he did in terms of they ran it, but just let the clock run and you're thinking, what are you doing? And then you look at the distance and you're like 50 and you're like, this guy's pinged a 54-yarder in the game already. There's no way he's going to nail a 50-yarder straight down the middle. And like literally, I think I, I watched it. I watched it, was, it, it, was so cl- it was so close to hitting that yeah. post though. It was so close. But I don't know about you. I, I want to, I don't know, like, do you any? I mean, does any of you guys watch the wrestling at all, like the WWE, like or just well? Nah. Right, <laughs> right, no, right, right, okay. Like I'm not. I don't normally do watch it, but I find this Brett Maher story kind of resembles uh, the wrestler Drew McIntyre scenario. Like, so he originally gets into the WWE. He becomes like the kicker, like he was supposed to be the replacement for Dan Bailey type of thing, essentially. Didn't do so well, so he goes to the small, smaller teams, comes back to the W, like well, Drew comes back to WWE, becomes the champion. And but for for like a Maher situation, he comes back to the Cowboys and ends up winning the game. He's actually going, it's it's a kind of similar, like I'm not painting a great picture here, if I'm being perfectly honest, but but you get the idea. It's like I think it it took Maher to go somewhere else to kind of rediscover himself, then go back in again. He actually, he's, he's been solid. I, have you know, I never realised, like you, said, you could probably say, can he's a gentleman, but did I, did I ace right somewhere? This is his third stint with the Cowboys, isn't it? Is it the yeah, first? But, no, this is second. This is the second. second. Come up for a second. Yeah. Third, yeah. yeah. Brian's, <laughs> Brian's, Brian's saying Drew McIntyre, really. It's just like, like, okay, like, let me re-explain that again. Right. So this guy got, got fired. He got fired, went to somewhere else, came back to the team, or came back to the organization even stronger. That's the just of it. That's the, that's the main just of it, not, pretty much. Not, not to kind of rain on this parade of the thing. I do still have my concerns, though. I do still have yeah. my concerns. I'm still yeah. waiting yeah. for the, the 30 to 40 yard kicking range. That seems <laughs> to be that, that seems to be the <sighs> How would you put? How would you put? Like, 
what's those um, balancing rods? It's got the wee, uh, li- liquid measure on it. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, what's the car there? See, see, right, so you've got your 10 to, yeah. 10 to 20. Yeah, definitely good. But see right bang in the middle? There's an empty gap there. That's the, that's the 30 and 40 yards. Do you know And like not to rain on this parade and just because of, we all know how many kickers the Cowboys brought in the offseason. Leveler. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for it, that. that, that <laughs> just because he's he was the best of a bad bunch, to put it in a polite term, and that's why he's on the roster, because there was nobody else around. And, and it, it was the Cowboys clearly thought the kicking situation was that bad that we brought in one four kickers in, in pre-season. And had them all beat. It's 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 uh, and it's, he ended up on the practice squad anyway. So it's kind of like that. The Cowboys were probably not happy with the kicking position because I, I agree. Yeah, on the practice squad there. It's it has been a, a complete whirlwind of an off season and pre season when it comes to the whole kicker situation because we got um that that was it Garibay. Yes. Yeah. And then we had a Hallelujah. What were you, how would you pronounce his name? Hallelujah. Uh, uh, like I, I just, I just kind of would be over oh, pronounce his name correctly. I just call him Hallelujah. And uh, but yeah, and we, it just was not working out. Like we were, what we watched some of this live during training camp, and even like some Mickey Spagnola was just like, this is just. This is not good enough. This is really, really bad. This isn't something that needs to be addressed. And... So I, think, I think what was some of the stats in the thing? I was listening to one on the way to work one morning in pre-season, uh, just as pre-season were finishing. Um, to fair, and it might have actually been Nate Newton that come out of it. Like when it's when it's your point afters, you pretty much what you don't want. You you don't want you kicking less than ninety five percent. You 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 allow for for block, for block, sometimes the defense gets through and blocks them. But anywhere is under, anywhere forty-two and under, they need to be on point every time. And it, and you're missing kicks under forty, under forty-two yards, and you're like, nah. yeah. I mean, for Lisa Maher, so I, I think the, the stats, and I can't like correct me if I'm wrong. I believe his winning percentage. Music by wrong isn't included with Prime. That is a thing for you. Hold on for two seconds. My Amazon Prime uh, Echo just decided to start talking to me all of a sudden, so apologies. <laughs> Other speakers are What's available. <laughs> oh my goodness. What was I talking um, about there? We were talking um, about how mental the kicker position is. I mean, look yeah. at look at um, look at the Colts. They cut Rodrigo Blackenship, you know, yeah, the, or Blankenship, or um, yeah, hey, got uh, a cut goggles. It guy has one bad week, cuts. Oh. You know, it's it's a it's a brutal brutal position. Um, it's a, teams it's, it's literally fans a love you when you make the kick, and they hate you when you don't. <sighs> yeah, yeah, it, it's it's really is becoming into that scenario. It's like. There's just no room for error at all now. Like if if you make one mistake, you're gone pretty much. And I think it's it's also the situation for kickers as well because soon you think you literally think you had one job to do and you didn't do it, but Mahar did it and 
won the game. You know, but if if he if he misses that kick, and we go on to lose the game, you know, the, the torches and the pitchforks are out, and all of a sudden he gets cut, and we're looking at somebody else, and it's it, that's why I think it's crazy when, I mean, you know yourself, you see kickers signing four, five, six million dollar deals, and you're thinking, are you going to see the vast majority of that money? I'm not sure a lot of them are. Yeah. Well, to be fair, apart from one, there's only one that you would probably be happy giving that contract to. That's <laughs> Justin Tucker. Yeah, Justin Tucker's probably the, the big and, exception, to be and fair. And to be fair, and I, again, it could be, what it, Nate Newton on a show in the off-season, or it might have even been Mickey Spagnola. It surprises me that in the league that there is only one, oh, I don't know if that's changed now, and Mike touched on it, I think after we heard it on the on one of the Cowboys.com shows, um, there's only one team in the NFL that's got a specialist kicking coach and they happen to have the best kicker statistically of all time at the minute. I think, I think that's something that's definitely needs to be considered going forward because mm-hmm. um, like, you're basically leaving kickers to their own accord. There's no one there to kind of maybe help them with one or two things they might see that may be thrown off their kicks or anything like that. So I think having kicking coaches is definitely something that may, mean like for all of the NFL might mm. be something to look at going forward. Not, but um but on that note, um I think we should wrap it up folks. What do you think? I mean that's yep. been... I think it's to sum it up, I think it was it was a great win. It but... was um things to work on yeah. i will say yes like, things to work on I f- when you i think the end of the story is this we're like we're so, seeing the massive improvements from both the o-line and both the defensive line but we're still questioning when it comes to the actual overall offense in terms of the play calling just um taking just being too fancy sometimes and maybe possibly just taking that step back, being too conservative at some point, possibly. Other than that, it's it's it is we've got a lot more to do going forward, but it's in the step in the right direction compared to week one. It's definitely mm. in the right direction. So, um, but yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what we're we're going to do with terms of the, the pre-game show when we're t- discussing about the New York Giants. Just uh, the two and zero New York Giants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Daniel Jones is two and over right now. That, uh, I I just can't even compute. Com- yeah, I can't even process. It. <laughs> My God. I mean, there, it, there are there are six unbeaten teams in the NFL. Two of them play in the NFC East. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I watched. I watched some of that game last night. Like, just going to really lower the tone right at the end. <laughs> Yeah, way to go. <laughs> on that note, guys, on that note, um, so as you know, Rob Phillips was our special guest today. You can see him. He's on the talk, Talking Cowboys right there in the top left corner. You can also go and check out all these other amazing content creators and other Cowboys shows. You can also check out uh, Blogging the Boys, where you can catch me and Meg Murray on. Uh, Big Game James is there. Law Nation is there. Uh, J-Tuck's there. Um, our good friends from uh, uh, Bluff City Cowboys and Cowboys Show, they've got their show together for the Cowboys Zone. B 
be sure to go and check all these guys out. They make an amazing content. And also go and check out Cowboys Experience, uh, who help help sponsor our show for the ultimate meet and greet stadium tours, game tickets, and tailgate experience. You will not be disappointed. Be sure to go and use uh, the discount code UK Cowboys, guys. And guys, what happens if you use the discount code? Come on. You get free stuff. There we go. And with that package, we do have our own package, courtesy of uh, Cowboys Experience for next year um, for the UK Cowboys fans, uh, where it's a a travel package with game tickets, tours, meet and greets, and so much more. Um, Be sure to go to our Facebook group for more details and or also contact Cowboys Experience for more information. But, uh, but yeah, guys, we'll end up on that note. And, uh, yeah, be sure to go check us out on Thursday as I, I will be hosting on Thursday. Uh, we do have a special guest lined up as we will talk about the pregame show against the New York Giants. Ugh. Uh, that should be a fun one to discuss about, uh, talking about Danny Dimes. But, anyway, guys. Everybody gets the alarm clock set because it's one thirty in the morning kickoff as well. Yeah, yeah. So, again, it's not a nice time for being a UK fan or if you're in Europe like Joe from Italy is. He will be even more for hours behind um, to watch the game. So, it's not going to be nice in our sleeping patterns for that game. But, on that note, guys, uh, send us off. Uh, stay safe thanks for tuning in have a good rest of the week let's fingers crossed we get another win winning record on Sunday here we go sweet alright guys have a good one and uh, we'll see you guys on Thursday <laughs>